0: To a new way of being, being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations.
1: (laughs) Good leaders must make good decisions for good reasons. Valeria Tellis interviews Craig B. Weldon, the author of Leadership: The Art of Inspiring People to Be Their Best. Craig's leadership journey began as an Eagle Scout at age 14. Thirty years later, he was the youngest general in the United States Army. Combined with another nine years as a member of the Senior Executive Service with the U.S. Marine Corps, he has led thousands of soldiers, sailors, Marines, and civilians while serving 10 years in Europe and another 12 in the Pacific. In 2011, he was inducted into the Purdue University Tri-Service ROTC Hall of Fame. In March 2019, he published Leadership, The Art of Inspiring People to Be Their Best, winning three book awards and attaining number one international bestseller status on Amazon. Craig is now a global Fortune 500 speaker and lives in Bluffton, South Carolina. Meet Craig at craigweldon.com. Here's the interview with Craig B. Weldon.
0: In your own words, who is Craig Weldon?
2: I am a person who has had a tremendously uh, successful and enjoyable life. Uh, And I reflect back on 69 years of successes and failures. And I learned from the failures and I um, am happy for the successes.
0: Yes. And this is one of the questions I often ask. What is success? What is success to you these days?
2: You know, I think it's a difference for every person. I've always been on a journey. Uh, I wrote about it in my book. Uh, When I first wrote my book, it turned out to be a a memoir, uh, a story of my life, essentially. And my editor told me, look, if you want to write a book about leadership, you need to do some changes. (laughs) And I said, why is that? He said, because nobody's going to read this book. He said, nobody knows who you are. You're not famous and you're not infamous. If you were Michelle Obama... Uh, or you were amoroso, you would be famous, uh, or you would be infamous, and people would buy your book because of who you are. But because nobody knows who you are, you need to write something. You need a different catch. And I said, well, that's great advice. What do you suggest? And he said, go into your memoir, find all those leadership nuggets that you mentioned, and there are many of them there. Pull them out make them chapter titles, and then fold these stories, these wonderful stories that you have of the experiences you've had in your life, fold them underneath to support each of the chapters. So that's what I did. I figuratively speaking, took a highlighter, went through the book, found all the leadership nuggets, uh, character, trust, leaving a legacy, all those different things that that uh, I wanted to talk about. And I made them the chapter titles and then I folded these stories underneath. And uh, it worked, it worked because I've, the book has won three national book awards. It's a number one bestseller in five countries. Uh, It's been downloaded thousands of times all over the world. Uh, And I use it often when I speak in front of groups. Uh, They uh, very, very frequently will purchase a copy of the book for everybody in attendance. So what is success? Uh, success to me is uh, leaving a legacy that I gave back to the generations that follow me, the things that I've learned, both good and bad, over the past 40 or 50 years.
0: Yeah, I love that idea. And I'll be exploring that, what your legacy has given us as wisdom. I usually refer to that word. So, my next follow up question is, or my next warm up question is what do you want from life at this time?
2: I want people to remember that I left something good uh, behind. And oftentimes that means just giving of yourself. So I'm not really in the business of being a professional speaker uh, to make a lot of money. I am in the business of being a professional speaker in order to give back to other generations things that they can learn from me because I think the, one of the saddest things would be for somebody to live a very very fruitful and um, good life and I think I have uh, and not be able to share that with others in ways that will help them We
0: talked about briefly off record 2020 has been a time of change and challenges what insights have you gained from the events in 2020
2: Well, one of the things that I learned from 2020 was the, at least in the United States, the tremendous divide uh, that we certainly have now. It's not, it's something that I didn't realize was as significant uh, prior to 2020 than it actually is. Uh, And it's really a sad commentary, I think, because, um, you know, great leaders pull teams together Mm. and uh, their teams often have different views as this country has different views. Right. Uh, and I'm hopeful that in the future that we'll be able to do a better job of doing that. But 2020, not just with the coronavirus, but with a, the politics of of the day, uh, yeah. it was a day, it was a year that I'm glad is in our rear view mirror now.
0: God, yeah, don't get me started with that. <laughs> politics.
2: Yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a speaker on two uh, luxury cruise lines. And one of the things they told me uh, when I got on the cruise line was to stay away from politics and religion. Mm. <laughs> and it's so true. I try try to do that. And I'm very <laughs> uh, practiced at that because after spending 40 years in the military, we are apolitical uh, by design because you don't serve an individual. Mm. You serve the nation and the constitution. Mm. So when I got on uh, my first cruise about a, a little over a year ago, Uh, and I spoke, uh, I knew that people would be coming after me asking about the politics of the United States, and there were people from all over the world on this cruise, and I told them, you know, I'll talk about policy, but not personalities.
0: (laughs) What is your own definition for leadership?
2: Well, let me tell a quick story. I once worked for a three-star general, an army general, and I was his deputy. I was a two-star general at the time. And he was a consummate gentleman, never raised his voice in anger, uh, was very, very bright, very capable, very, very organized. And a colonel came up to me one time and he said, you know, General So-and-so is the toughest guy I have ever worked for. And I looked at him and said, Are you, uh, really? Why is that? And he said, because I never wanted to disappoint him. Mm. And boy, that told me volumes about how that colonel felt about his commander, the three-star general. And quite frankly, everybody else in the organization felt the same way. Every one of us wanted to wake up every morning and come to work to do the very best we could and give 110 percent, not just for the organization, but for our boss, because he inspired us and he inspired us by in so many ways but he was a he was an exceptional leader because he led by example he trusted his subordinates he treated us with the respect and dignity no matter what the grade was mm-hmm. uh, that all of us deserved he never forgot that at one time he was a junior officer doing the sorts of things that many of the tens of thousands of soldiers that he led uh, are currently doing for him and he was an absolute inspiration
0: that really makes me think about the the highest spiritual teachings, that we are all connected and we treat others the way we treat ourselves. So it's interesting how the way you speak of leadership, according to the story, it's very similar to that. It kind of relates to that teaching. No, it, that is, it
2: absolutely is. Treat uh, others as you would expect to be treated, right. and you'll find that they'll do unbelievable things for you. Let me tell another quick story, if I may. I was an armor officer in the army, a tanker, a cavalryman, and I trained for the first 20 years of my career on how to fight uh, wars successfully against adversaries. And at the 20-year point, the army turned to me and said, we're going to make you a base commander. And a base commander is essentially like a town mayor. Uh, They're basically running the installation, the garrison, the the fort, the post, whatever you want to call it, the base. And I said at the time, I don't know anything about base operations, and I don't care to learn. I'm a tanker. Uh, I've been spending the last 20 years learning how to fight America's wars. Well, I ended up being a base commander anyway, and it was absolutely the best thing that ever happened to me. And the reason is because I had now 3,000 employees, 95% of them were Civilians, which was new, because I had had nothing but soldiers up to that point. Half of them were women, half of them were German, because my base was in Germany, and we had forty to 45,000 soldiers and family members that we were responsible for taking care of and i mean everything that you would expect in a small town from paying the electricity bill to building new buildings to running the child care center to holding town halls to doing uh, labor relations conversations with the, uh, the the workforce and i went into that job knowing almost nothing right. about running a base i had been a customer My entire life, because I'd lived on bases before, uh, but I had never run a base. And I told my workforce at the time, look, I don't know very much about running the base. You are the experts. And so I'm going to put my trust in you until you demonstrate that you're not worthy of that trust. And I want you to tell me what I can do to help make you successful. Point me towards the things that I can add value to and they did and and it it was an absolute wonderful experience for me i learned more about uh, the army uh, than i ever would have had i stayed in the traditional war fighting lane that i had been in for the last 20 years and i also learned more about myself because it took a very different kind of leader to lead that kind of a workforce than it did a thousand soldiers
0: what are some of the greatest misconceptions about leadership from your perspective
2: I think that some people think that the harder you are, the firmer you are, the better you are. Right. And I think that's one of the biggest m- misconceptions because if you go back to the story I just told about the three star general, mm-hmm. he inspired us. He didn't have to do very much except point in a direction, and I s- say, that's the direction I want this ship to go, to use a, na- a Navy metaphor. And the rest of us understood exactly what he needed because he was clear, he was concise. Uh, and he told us what the expectations were. And uh, like I said, all of us wanted to get up and make sure that not only did we succeed, but the organization and he uh, would succeed. His success was our success. And that's the kind of effective leader I think that many organizations hope for, but don't always have. One other story, if I may, to illustrate this point. I think Character is probably the most important leadership trait Mm -hmm. uh, there is. And that's the reason it's chapter one in my book. Uh, The title of the chapter is Character, Basic Building Block for Leadership, or Leadership's Basic Building Block. I was uh, sent by the Marine Corps. I worked for the Marine Corps for nine years as a senior executive, and I was sent to the Marine Corps, by the Marine Corps, to a course called Leadership at the Peak. It was about a a four-and-a-half-day course, and it was all about Uh, self-awareness. And there were only 12 students in the course. All of them were C-suite executives, CEOs, COOs, CIOs, and the like, except for me. I was the only federal employee in the entire course. So the other 11 students were in their 40s and their 50s, were either leading companies or very, very senior in companies. And in the run-up to that course, they had us doing all kinds of self-awareness tests and evaluations. One of them was a 360-degree evaluation where we were to ask our subordinates, our co-workers, and our boss to assess us anonymously uh, and tell us in the survey exactly what they thought of us. So when we got there on the very first day... Uh, they turned to a board on the wall and they said, you'll see up there a graph posted showing the results of these surveys that you did as students and that your contemporaries, your coworkers, and your boss did. And as I, uh, there were no names on them uh, at the time. But as we all looked at that, what I saw were probably eight or nine of the charts that I was looking at had a great disparity – between the way the student viewed themselves mm. and the way the rest of their organization viewed themselves, mm. and not in a good way. Wow. In almost all every case, they these individual students thought more of themselves than their contemporaries and their subordinates thought of them. And so it was a wake-up call for them. And it was uh, the next three and a half to four days was all about peeling that onion back, figuring out why do we have this gap between the way others view you and the way you view you. When you look in the mirror, you need to make sure that you see yourself in the same mold that others see you if you're going to be an effective leader. Because if you don't, you're an emperor with no clothes on.
0: That is so true. And that brings me to the topic of self knowledge which is a huge one, getting to know who you are. What are some of the strategies or exercises or practices that you adopted to get to know who you are?
2: So when I was a company commander, and for your listening audience, a company is about uh, anywhere from, let's say, 60 to, to 150 soldiers. I didn't really need to spend a lot of time with these soldiers, convincing them of how I thought, what I thought was important, the direction we need to go, because I was with him every single day. But the more senior you become in an organization, whether it's in the military or in the corporate world, it doesn't matter. Uh, the more you need to reflect on how am I going to communicate the direction I want this organization to go. And so when I became a battalion commander, I had a 1,000 soldiers. And those 1,000 soldiers would rotate in and out of the organization every two to three years. So I would get new soldiers every single month. And at that point in time in the military, we write down what we call our philosophy of command. And the philosophy of command is kind of like a corporate vision statement and a value statement. It's sort of the same thing. Uh, Anybody that reads my book will find that philosophy of command, which I wrote in 1989 in my book. It's Appendix A. And it basically lays out for the organization, here's the direction I want you to go. And here are those things that I view as very, very important and some things that are negotiable. Let me read the first and a couple of sentences on the first page. Yeah. It says, as I join the 2nd Battalion, 10th Cavalry, I owe it to each of you to describe in some detail my philosophy of command. These basic beliefs and values have developed and grown throughout my 16 years in the Army. If you understand the thrust of this memo, you will understand me. Mm-hmm. And then it goes on and I, and I lay it out. Now, when I wrote that down in 1989, this is before the days of computers and word processing and all that. It was on a legal pad. And I uh, then typed it up and I sent it out to probably 12 or 15 different people that knew me very, very well. And I said, this is how I think that I think. I would ask for you to be very candid and provide me feedback Am I kidding myself, or is this is this a true reflection of me? And I got some good f- feedback from from all those people that I that I trusted. And so I did a, a little bit of editing, but at the end of the day, when when I got that thing done, I handed it out to every all the leaders in my organization uh, at the on the very first day. And I had a meeting with them. I said, Let me tell you a little bit about me and let me tell you about the direction I want this organization to go, what I think is important, what's non-negotiable, and let me even tell you about my strengths and weaknesses. And I did that on the very first day. And then every single month when we had newcomers coming into the organization, I would assemble the newcomers, and I would go through the standards pitch again, doing essentially the same thing. And then I would hand out my philosophy of command to each of those new people. Everybody knew from the very beginning uh, exactly who I was and the direction I wanted the organization to go, and I guess I would ask your listeners to ask themselves: Have you ever worked for somebody that you've that comes into the organization, and two or three months later, you're still trying to figure them out what they think is important and what isn't? That's frustrating, and so I think an effective leader does that very very early on to make sure everybody is uh, very very clear on on where we're headed.
0: Yes. I love this. It's almost as an exercise, a practice for all of us, not just in and companies, but homes, uh, for families to do.
2: Yeah. Yeah, That's a great idea. I have another appendix in my uh, book. Uh, The second appendix is called Weldon on Weldon, and that's a briefing that I used to give to people that said, let me tell you who I am and how I think, And let me also tell you what my strengths and what my weaknesses are. And I felt comfortable enough in my own skin to be able to say that early on uh, because people have peculiarities. Let me me tell another quick story, if I may. (laughs) I once worked for a boss. Uh, He was a general officer Mm -hmm. and he was brand new. And the very first time he had a a meeting uh, of his staff, uh, let's say it was on a Tuesday at nine o'clock, he came into the conference room. He sat at the end of the table. And there was a clock on the wall at the other end, uh, one of those big white standard government clocks. And he was there at about 8.55, and people started coming in and sitting down. There were designated places for each of the staff to sit. And he didn't say anything. And then at 9 o'clock, on the dot, and I mean when the second hand hit the (laughs) 9 o'clock, he turned to his aide, who was a captain, and he said, close the door and lock it. Now, there were two people missing from the staff. and. They came, but they came a couple of minutes after nine. They were late. And when they found that the door was locked, they knocked on the door. And the general turned to his aide and said, don't open the door. Now, he had a thing about timeliness, and I'm not criticizing that. I'm really not, because I think people should uh, have some discipline to be wherever they need to be on time. But I ask myself and I ask your listeners, was that the best way on the very first week that he was coming into the command to essentially humiliate two people that were late uh, who could have been late for a good reason? We don't know what the reason is for them to show up late. Maybe another way of doing that would be that in his first staff meeting, he says something about timeliness Mm. and discipline. Uh-huh. And he says, you know, I think it's very, very important that if you're s- going to be at, supposed to be somewhere at nine o'clock, that you be there at nine o'clock and then to just leave it at that. Right. But I have to tell you, the two colonels that, that didn't show up in time to get inside the room uh, for many, many weeks a- after that, they were feeling pretty low, as you can imagine, yeah. because that was their first experience with the new boss and it was not a good one.
0: Oh, wow. And That's a message for me. (laughs) Um, I think, (laughs) yeah, a very good one. And I love what you said, and that's true, because uh, the understanding, understanding leads to conversation that leads to compassion, that leads to love and uh, that union, not separation. Yeah, understanding is really important, knowing why we act the way we do, we do the things we do. What do you think is the purpose of the human experience?
2: Well, uh, I guess we could get a little philosophical here. I think the human experience is that we all support each other and that we all support this world that we live in. Uh, That's kind of noble, a noble thought perhaps, uh, and perhaps it's a bit naive uh, because there are evil people in the world just as there are very, very good people in the world. And I think leaders are here to help us distinguish between the two. You know, what? I don't think personally that we're taking a very good care of our planet right. uh, and that if we don't take good care of our planet, our successors on this planet are going to regret it. Uh, and I don't think we take as good care of each other mm. as we should. Uh, and that's why now that I have the means and the time to be able to give back, I spend a lot of my time doing exactly that. Not just trying to help people be better people, but help those who can't help themselves.
0: You say that leadership is complicated. Why is that?
2: It's complicated because, you know, there is no definitive answer about for, I don't think there's a definitive answer for truly effective leadership. People often ask the question, is leadership something that is learned or is it something that comes naturally? Right. Is it... Um, i I think it's a little bit of both i think there are people who are born to be good leaders because their character is solid uh and but it can be improved and so if you look for for example the way the military recruits officers who are the leaders in the military they look for people who have some natural talent but they spend an awful lot of energy trying to refine that talent and improve that talent Mm -hmm. to make them the best they possibly can be. When I was a senior executive uh, for the Marine Corps and when I was a general officer for the Army, both those services sent me to a leadership course every single year. And the one that I mentioned in Colorado, Leadership at the Peak, where they had the self-awareness and the other, that's just one of many, many that I went to. Now, I'm in my 40s, 50s, and 60s when I'm going to these courses and I will tell you that learning never ends true. you can constantly be learning I've I'm learning something today just talking to you uh, I did a podcast last night uh, with a guy who's 27 years old um, he, he, he's younger than my kids are and I learned an awful lot from him right. uh, learning never stops and I think if you want to be the most effective leader you never assume that you know it all. You are constantly learning to do better. What is the meaning of freedom to you? What is to be free? Uh, Another philosophical question, perhaps, (laughs) uh, because, uh, you know, I I guess you could think of it in the sense of nation states that are more free than others are. Certainly, uh, the United States allows freedom that North Korea does not. Those are two extremes, I think. But I'm not sure that everybody has the freedom that we would like them to have because they don't have the means uh, to achieve that freedom. What do I mean by that? I would love to have been doing my entire life what I'm doing now, writing a book about leadership and then going on the speaking circuit. But I didn't have the freedom to do that when I was 20 years old. One because I didn't have the experience of being a, a leader, I needed the time to be able to develop uh, those leadership skills, and two because I could, didn't have the the means to support myself, to support a family, uh, and to do the, those kinds of things. So I now have the freedom to do that because I've got you know retirement income from two careers, uh, one with the Army, one with the Marine Corps. And, uh, you know, I'm over 65, so I can even draw Social Security now. So now I can kind of do what I want, and I now have the freedom to be able to do it and not worry about it. But all my – I've got two children. They're both out of college. They have families of their own. Uh, The only obligation I have is to my wife and to society at large. And so I try to give as much to society now uh, that I possibly can uh, because I know the clock is ticking.
0: We're almost at the end, and I do have so many questions here for you <laughs> that I won't be able we to ask. We should do this a
2: second time, because I've know. got I've got thousands of stories. <laughs>
0: oh, I'd love to hear <laughs> them, I th- and I love your touch, wisdom. That
2: touch your audience.
0: Right. Yeah, that's for sure. I would love that, too. So before, let me select some of the questions. So your, your book, Leadership, The Art of Inspiring People to Be Their Best. Um, when it comes to being our best, is that... Being and doing our best are the same, or do you somehow distinguish these two states?
2: I think it's the same church, perhaps a different pew right. in the same church. Yeah. Uh, but being the first of all, I'm not sure that everybody can be their absolute best. Mm. Uh, right. You can almost always be better than you are. Right. And so, one of the things the Army taught me decades ago was that after we do an operation or after we do a training event, we would always did what we called an after-action review. What does that mean, AAR, after-action review? I talk about it in my book. Well, what it means is that we would then reflect on what did we just do, how well did we do it, what did things did we do right, what things did we do wrong, and when we do this sort of thing again, how can we do it better than we did it this time? And we would always start those after action reviews off by having the leader of the organization stand up at the beginning and saying, Let me tell you what I did wrong. Wow. Now, why did we do it that way? It's so that everybody in the organization that's junior to the leader then would feel free mm. to and and see that here's a leader that's standing up and admitting the mistakes that he or she made in front of the organization. And that right. that really gave everybody an opportunity to be able to do exactly the same thing. So, wow. you know, success is a journey. It's not a destination, I don't think. Uh, you can always climb the mountain uh, a little bit higher and make yourself better, do things better, be things, be better. And I think anybody who thinks that they've arrived at the final destination uh, is probably missing something.
0: I love that too. I mean, I I love pretty much everything you say because it resonates with the mind and the heart. Power, that's a a word that a lot of uh, especially women, we refrain from using. So let me ask you this question. What is power
2: to you? Wow. Let's substitute power for another word, which I'll use uh, influence. Mm -hmm. If you are able to influence people or a situation, uh, one could argue that you have power. Now, how do you influence people? You don't have to demonstrate through what one might characteristically call brute force or metaphorically, you know, for, uh, for example, leaders who scream and yell and Intimidate, And those are all traits, I think, that are counterproductive. Right. Uh, again, back to the three-star general uh, who inspired the organization because of the way he was. He had all those basic uh, character traits, which I think are, he had self-awareness to start with. He had humility. He had uh, ambition, obviously. Uh, he had trust. He had understanding. Uh, he had, uh, he was a team player. Uh, He was ready to be led as well as lead. Mm. Uh, Those are all characteristics of effective leaders. He had power, but he had the power to influence us in ways that were positive rather than negative. And, you know, I don't think we ever looked at him as having power. We looked at him as being inspirational. And uh, so somebody who is inspirational, in fact, has power. Somebody who has the ability to, to... lead people in ways that they uh, are willing to go. They have power. I'm, I'm not a big fan of the word power yeah, either. <laughs> right, right, if, yeah, if, good. if what you're saying is, you know, <laughs> if the women in your audience don't like that word, well, guess mm-hmm. what? I don't either. <laughs> I, I, I do like the word influence. I do like the word inspiration. Yeah. Uh, in fact, I really like the word inspiration mm-hmm. because it's a self-perpetuating. When you inspire something or somebody, You don't have to do much more because it'll get done all by itself.
0: So true. I guess it's because we have confused the word power with control, manipulation, control, force.
2: That might be
0: that. Yeah, I love these words too. Uh, Influence, to inspire, and to empower.
2: That's that's exactly right. And trust.
0: Oh, yes.
2: There's a reason trust is the second chapter in my book. (laughs)
0: Yes, I love that. Oh, I have so many questions and I can't ask today. But yes, let's meet again. That would be wonderful. Yeah,
2: yeah I thought we were going to talk about uh, the chapter in my book. In fact, all your all your uh, listeners could actually go read it if they yeah. wanted to. It's right. on my website, craigweldon.com. I have a sample chapter. It's called The Light at the End of the Tunnel. Yes. And, and I would encourage all your listeners to go read that chapter. And the next time we chat, perhaps we could talk about that.
0: That would be wonderful. I'll have the link on the podcast profile too. So before I ask you my final questions, I have two questions for you. Would you like to add anything or read a passage in your book, Craig?
2: Uh, Well, again, I think if people like the sample chapter on my website, they're going to love my book. And uh, there are many, many testimonials and reviews of the book. As I said, it's won three national awards, uh, book awards. It's a number one bestseller in five countries. Um, people are amazed that this military guy wrote a book which is really targeted not at the military but for the rest of society. You know I wrote this book not for the military. I wrote it uh, as somebody who had spent time in the military, but the idea was let me talk talk about leadership and life lessons. Uh, so it 's not exclusively about leadership, it 's about the lessons I learned in life. I tell the story of, uh, uh, in fact, that's chapter 18 of my my second my divorce, my first divorce, early in my life, and how devastating that was, and how I overcame it. In the very next chapter, I talk about the suicide of my sister, and and what what that meant to me, and how that changed my life and changed my priorities. So, you know, those are not associated with the military at all, and so I think your readers would really love. Uh, the book, and and I think they'd love to hear uh, me on your show again.
0: <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah, no doubt about that. My audience reflects my own beliefs and values. So yes, and I love your presence, your wisdom, in everything that you're doing. Thank you. Well,
2: thank you, Valeria.
0: I do have two more questions for you. If you knew you would die soon, meaning losing the body, would you make any change in your life or do anything in a different way?
2: Um. No. I think uh, I'm now very, very comfortable and content that I'm on a journey uh, which I have been striving to achieve uh, much of my life. I didn't know until about two and a half years ago that I would be doing what I'm doing today. Somebody said to me when I told them I was going to be retiring from military about two and a half, three years ago, they said, what do you want to do next? And I said, I want to give back to the next generation whatever I've learned in the last 40 or 50 years. And they said, well, you need to write a book. <laughs> and I laughed and I said, are you kidding me? I can't write a book. I've never written a book. It was intimidating uh, to have somebody say that to me. And I guess part of the uh, the lesson coming out of that Uh, was that I could write a book, and I did write a book, and it's done very, very well. And the book really is uh, a means to an end. The end is me communicating to other people, here's how I have learned, here are the things that I've learned in my life that I think might benefit you. Take what you want, leave what you don't, and pass on to others those things that you think are worthy. And so when I inscribe, when I personalize a a book and give it to somebody, that's what I say. This is what I've learned. Take what you want, leave what you don't, and pass on whatever you think is worthy. Uh, And there's lots of what I'll call nuggets in the book uh, that you can pick up, put in your rucksack, and carry with you the rest of your life. And I think if I die tomorrow, I'll feel comfortable that I will have left a legacy worth leaving.
0: My last question to you, what are three things about life you know for sure as of this moment?
2: Life can be good, bad, or ugly, (laughs) and often is for different people, and it can be better for some and worse for others. But I think every single one of us has gone through difficult times in our life. I certainly have, both professionally and personally. And there is the chapter of title of chapter 18, which is the sample chapter on my book. Mm. There is light at the end of the tunnel oftentimes. And many times people can't see it. They go into a dark place and they think they're going to stay there. They think there's no way out. And I have had enough experiences in over six decades to know that when you get into a dark place very frequently through perseverance, through help from others, through hope, through faith, and time, right. you oftentimes come out the other end better off for it. And I've got, again, a number of stories, both personal and professional, where I thought, wow, this is the end. And it, and it wasn't. It was the beginning of something new and different and wonderful.
0: Yeah, we do think a lot of times that is the end, but it's the other way around. Yeah, quite the opposite. Thank you so much, Greg, for your wisdom, your profound wisdom, your kindness, your generosity, your
2: work, your presence. Thank you. Thanks, Valerie. Uh, It's been a wonderful um, half hour or so, and I'd love to do this again.
0: Great. Please tell us again about your website. Where can we find more information about you, your books, products, services, and future projects?
2: That's really easy. If anybody goes to Google and just types my name in, Craig Weldon, Uh, my website pops right up because it's craigweldon.com. And I tell people there's a window into my soul (laughs) on my website. You can learn an awful lot about who I am, what I think is important, what I've done, uh, what I'd like to do. Uh, I've got demo videos. I've got Testimonials. I've got book reviews. I've got podcasts. I've got blog articles that I've written. Uh, there's a wealth of information on my website, and you can order the book from uh, from the website. Uh, speaking, my speaking career. I've got my schedule, people that I've spoken to, people I'm scheduled to speak to. Uh, all of that is laid out on the website. Plus, I'm on LinkedIn, and anybody, I'm happy to connect with just about anybody on LinkedIn.
0: Wonderful. I'll have those links on your podcast profile, too. Thank you so much again, and we'll talk soon.
2: All right. Bye Thanks. for now. All right. Bye-bye.
1: Thank you for listening. To learn more about Craig B. Weldon and his work, please visit craigweldon.com.
0: more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.